Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Get out of the way. Welcome to the Texas Take, the number one political podcast in the great state. I'm Scott Braddock, editor at quorumreport.com. On vacation this week is Jeremy Wallace at Houston Chronicle and HoustonChronicle.com. And believe me, he deserves it. Get out of the way. What do I mean? Well, Democrats are being accused of blocking the agenda in Austin. Republicans would like them to get out of the way. And to do that, they'd have to return to Austin, perhaps, ironically. Uh, and you have the President of the United States. I'm going to get to all that in just a little bit. There's a second special session coming. Starts tomorrow. The first special session ended today. Didn't it feel special? Um, the agenda for the second special session is a little bit different and maybe lure, uh, maybe going to lure some of the Democrats back so that business can be conducted. We'll keep an eye on that. But the President of the United States is saying that Governor Abbott needs to get out of the way. What do I mean? Well, Abbott has put some executive orders in place that we've told you about here that don't add up to an effective response to COVID-19. If you ask the folks in the health community about what Abbott has done, it complicates things, it makes things worse. He has said that under his order, local leaders like uh, mayors and county judges and school boards can't do really anything like uh, put mask mandates in place or require proof of vaccination when you go into certain places. Abbott's blocking all that. And he's also put something in place that has to do with immigration. I'll get into that as well. But uh, Biden pointed to uh, the governor of Florida as well, Ron DeSantis and Governor Abbott and said, look, if you're not going to do anything to get more people vaccinated and really do something to contain this new surge of the virus, then you at least need to step aside and let the people who want to fix the problem fix it. The escalation of cases is particularly concentrated in states with low vaccination rates. Just two states, Florida and Texas, account for one third of all new COVID-19 cases in the entire country. Just two states. Look, we need leadership from everyone. If some governors aren't willing to do the right thing to beat this pandemic, then they should allow businesses and universities who want to do the right thing to be able to do it. I say to these governors, please help. But if you aren't going to help, at least get out of the way. Abbott, of course, would like to change the subject. Listen to what he says you ought to think about. It's not that you should be thinking about Texans not being vaccinated at high enough rates, which our numbers are still terrible on all that. It's not that people won't put on masks when they're asked to, when there are uh, surges in certain communities. It's none of that. No, we have to find somebody else to blame. Abbott says 
it's because undocumented immigrants are bringing this disease across the border from Mexico. What happened yesterday uh, in La Jolla, Texas, uh, where it was learned uh, that migrants who had been released uh, by Border Patrol, they were in La Jolla, found at a Whataburger uh, with extreme signs of illness. Uh, and they themselves said they had COVID-19. And then it was learned there was a hotel full of people with COVID-19. So what his executive order would do is it would have the cops, uh, the DPS, the state troopers, round up people in vehicles who might be illegally in the country and might have COVID-19. Well, how is that supposed to work? One is it empowers the Texas Department of Public Safety to stop any vehicle where there is a suspicion uh, that that vehicle may be transporting migrants into and around the state of Texas who may have COVID-19. And second, it orders uh, the Department of Public Safety to return that vehicle uh, to either the point of origin, which would be where the uh, 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 Border Patrol officers let them go or to the port of entry. And so I have a job to protect the safety and health of the people of the state of Texas, and that includes especially now preventing President Biden from importing COVID-19 into Texas as well as into to the United States. A federal judge in El Paso has blocked Abbott from doing this. In the meantime, the Biden administration sued Abbott over it. Feels like role reversal. Usually, I mean, if you think about the news headlines over the last, uh, at least the last decade, uh, it would always be Texas suing the federal government, not the other way around. But when Abbott did this, it was too much for the Biden administration. They took Texas to court immediately. There's a restraining order in place. There will be a full hearing about this, I think, later this month. And we'll keep an eye on that and see what happens with it. But this is just nakedly political. This is GOP primary politics. Governor Abbott has a primary on his hands. It's... Yeah, I won't go as far as saying it's competitive because, look, this is a guy who has, and this is what's so disappointing about Abbott, he could do so much better than to only be reactive to the far right wing of the Republican Party. He has poll numbers somewhere like 70% approval with Republicans. He has $55 million in the bank, but he has right wing challengers and he's not going to be out conservatived by them that's a word. He, he is not going to be um, outflanked on his right by people like Don Huffines, who prides himself as a libertarian, by the way. You would think that libertarians would be appalled by an executive order that says that the police can stop you, impound your car because they think you might be in the country illegally. They think you might have a disease. You have some people in the fringe of the Republican Party, some of these supporters, not all, but some of the supporters of former President Trump, who have concocted another conspiracy theory. There's so many of them, it's hard to keep up. But a conspiracy theory that basically goes like this. If the federal government mandates vaccines and they go door to door trying to get people vaccinated, then that's setting the stage for them to go door to door and take your Bible, take your gun, take whatever. Wouldn't those same people who are worried about an authoritarian state be worried about cops being able to pull you over because they think you might be undocumented because they think you might have a disease well in republican party politics in primary politics if the person that you're blaming for the problem is hispanic the person is brown the person's not white it usually works like a charm let me give you an example it's not just me saying this Think about President Trump talking to voters in the Midwest, where he was making the case to them that your jobs are going away, manufacturing shutting down, 
because those people in other countries are taking your jobs. Remember, he was always attacking the North American Free Trade Agreement. Remember, President Trump was trading votes in the Sun Belt here in Texas, where you know NAFTA has been good for us, full stop, and the new version of uh, the North American Free Trade Agreement, yeah, the, the new one that we have, that'll be good for us. International trade is good for Texas, period. Trump was trading votes in places like Texas for the Rust Belt, where he was gaining votes and changing the map. And because Republicans have such an advantage in Texas, he could afford to trade votes here, right? Uh, he was under 10 points ahead of uh, Secretary Clinton in 2006, and he only beat Biden in Texas by six points. So the trajectory downward in Texas while making these kinds of arguments, but it did give him a boost in other places. I'm thinking you know, all the way back to 2006 when former Governor Perry, at that time he was running for re-election against three challengers, and his main message in that 06 campaign, and he did a version of this again in, uh, in, two, in 2010, uh, when he had a very an, another unique race in 2010. In 2006, that's when Perry ran the first ads uh, on television where he's standing on the Rio Grande in his Carhartt jacket, and he is saying, if Washington won't secure this border, then Texas will. Does that sound familiar? Talking about illegal immigration, talking about border security. Um, if you think about it from the standpoint of the percentages in that race and the way everything shook out, Perry, I think, found the Trump base in Texas back then. He won with about 39%. And I remember after he was reelected, and because uh, in, in that race up against three people, a Democrat and two independents, all he had to do was get a plurality, get the most votes. There was no runoff. So he won the race with 39%. Democrats were calling him governor 39% after that. 39%, if you look at the national polling during the Trump administration, Trump's approval kind of hovered around that number, 36%, 42%, something like that. The folks who would never, ever abandon President Trump were those who were the most um, receptive of this message, that it's always the immigrants' fault, right? Now, while all that's going on, Governor Abbott's keeping these local governments from moving forward with things that would help to contain the virus, like mask mandates. So it sounds like the Houston School District may defy Abbott about this. I might have thought it would be one of the big city mayors to really do this or one of the county judges like Lena Hidalgo in Harris County there. Uh, but HISD Superintendent Millard House says as soon as next week, the school board is going to vote on a mask mandate for the largest school district in the state. As you all know, the safety of our HISD staff and students is my top priority. The health and safety of our students and staff continues to be the guiding compass in all of our decisions and beyond. As a result, during tonight's agenda review, I moved forward to announce that I will propose a mask mandate. What we need is more court cases, right? What we need is not just for the Biden administration to be suing Abbott to get some clarity on exactly what he's allowed to do through his executive orders, but we also need for, I'll go ahead and say it, we need for the Attorney General, Ken Paxton, to sue the Houston School District over this mask mandate if they go forward with it, because this needs to be worked out. What is the governor actually able to do? What is his authority really when it comes to this stuff? Think about the fact that what the governor's doing 
and I know this is a little down in the weeds, but that's where I live. The governor is citing disaster powers uh, under the Texas Constitution and statutes uh, that have been put in place by the legislature. He's citing law that allows him to contain a disease. He's, he's citing that portion of the law to be able to tell local governments that they can't do things to contain the disease, to tamp down on the disease. So this really needs to be worked out. The governor over the last year has asserted that only he has the authority to make these sorts of decisions. Republican leaders in the Texas House and Senate in the regular session, they filed bills and they debated these pieces of legislation to try to rein in the governor's disaster powers, and none of that went anywhere. So more court challenges might be a good thing. The Texas legislature, as I speak to you, this afternoon on Friday is not in session, but they will be again by Saturday. If you're listening to the show on Saturday, welcome to the second special session. Will Democrats in the Texas House be there? Will they physically show up in Austin at the Texas Capitol so that business can commence? Well, that's the big question. We will keep an eye on it. Um, I'm not convinced it's going to happen on Saturday, probably not on Sunday. It could happen by Monday or Tuesday, just based on various conversations I have had. We do know that some of the Texas House Democratic Caucus plans to stay in Washington, where they have been for the last month. Texas House Republicans today, earlier this morning, released a video blasting the minority party for abandoning Texas when help for retired teachers, helping foster kids, and more is on the agenda. Texas Democrats have fled Austin. Now the House chamber is at a standstill. Bills are on hold while the House Democrats stay put in D.C. Extra funding for foster care is in limbo. A 13th check for retired teachers remains in question. Now, this has been a pretty good message for Republicans, even if it is a tad dishonest. Well, maybe I shouldn't go that far. It's a matter of emphasis. They are emphasizing the bread and butter issues, helping teachers, helping the foster kids. You heard them talking about it there. One thing that they're not talking about is the elections bill. One thing they're not talking about is the issue of transgender children in sports. One thing that they're not talking about is new abortion regulations. All of those things are on the special session agenda. So why are the Republicans um, emphasizing those things? Well, I think they also have to think about general elections and not just their primaries. They have to think about both. That's why the special session agenda is a mix of things that would appeal to voters more on the far right and then also voters who are in the middle. I don't think that teachers groups are particularly... Um, impressed with this idea of a 13th check for teachers being you know, promised to teachers now when there was a bill to do that during the regular session. Now, Republicans will say we didn't have the money to do it during the regular session. And the comptroller in the meantime did give them a new revenue estimate, an updated revenue estimate that says they have millions more dollars to spend. So they say they can do it now. And it's the Democrats' fault for not being there. Texas House GOP Caucus Chairman Jim Murphy from Houston emphasized proposed changes to education policies dealing with coronavirus. He says that's on the agenda as well. And the Democrats, as he put it, need to come to work. This Delta variant is a real issue across Texas. I want to make sure that we've got the ability to respond to that. The Democrats should want to be here to help solve those problems. 
A Dallas State Representative Jasmine Crockett also spoke with KXAN Television in Austin. She says the stuff about COVID and education and helping retired teachers, all that stuff, she believes is a ruse because at the core of the agenda is still the elections bill. That's what everything broke down about earlier. She and others argue that that legislation would make it, make it harder for minorities to vote. This is nothing more than yet another red meat session that he has interlaced some other things in there to make it seem as if either he thinks the Democrats are dumb and thinks he's trying to do us a favor, or he just wants to say the Democrats don't care about COVID. Now, Republicans could prove Crockett wrong and others wrong by passing bills first that deal with COVID-19, retired teachers, foster kids, and more as soon as there is a quorum. Will there be one? Do the Democratic leaders in Washington really want Texas House Democrats to continue to stay in Austin? It's an open question. I saw where uh, Jen Psaki, who is the uh, White House press secretary during uh, one of the daily briefings at the White House, she was asked about this by one of the reporters in the press corps there, and it was quoted in the New York Times where Saki was saying, look, if the Democrats need to be back in Austin because of the legislative calendar, the White House would certainly support that. And one Democratic operative said to me that that was a little um, maybe misleading or overstated, overemphasized in some of the reports, including uh, in the New York Times. So I thought I would let you hear what she had to say. This is from the White House briefing, and you can hear Saki say that, look, the, the Democrats have done a good job of uh, championing this cause. Uh, but as far as whether they need to be in Austin, her answer didn't seem to be all that well thought out. Take a listen. Well, uh, certainly uh, the president believes that, one, they've been outspoken advocates uh, and champions of voting rights. And uh, we're, I, I can't say I'm exactly following too closely the legislative calendar there, but uh, certainly if it required them to be there, we would support that. I mean, you can see it, it doesn't sound like she really even knows how a special session in Texas works. And why would she? She doesn't do politics in Texas. We do that around here. We have the special session starting on Saturday, and it lasts for 30 days. Under the Texas Constitution, those are 30 calendar days, not legislative days. Those are not the same thing. Um, and if they don't have a quorum on Saturday, when you may be listening to this, I'm not sure that that means the special session is uh, doomed to be just like the first one, where there's never a quorum and, and they can't do anything. I do believe that there are Democrats within the caucus uh, who have been in Washington who, and it's not a matter of them just being tired of being there, although let's get real. There are just real world reasons why somebody would want to come back to Texas after being uh, away from home for a month. They miss their children. They miss their family. They miss being in their communities. Um, they, they're, they're basic stuff. They're out of clean underwear, <laughs> things like that. They're tired of doing their laundry in a sink in a hotel. And again, that hotel was not a nice hotel. But let me give you my thoughts on something that I have gotten a question about for the last few days. And I want to be very candid with you about it because it's a very real, it's another one of these real things of why people would say, I'm done with this. I'm sick of this. There's some Democrats who have said that uh, privately, that they're sick of being there and it's time to come back and do some legislating in Austin. We first reported at quorumreport.com that two members of the Texas House Democratic Caucus had left Washington and went to Portugal for a luxury vacation. Now at Quorum Report, we did not name the members who uh, apparently had gone to Portugal. And I haven't seen anything to contradict that in any of the reports. HoustonChronicle.com, they had uh, quotes from Representative Jessica Gonzalez, 
from Dallas. It was apparently her and uh, Representative Julie Johnson, also from Dallas County, who took off to Portugal on a luxury trip. When I say a luxury trip, we're talking about tickets that cost quite a bit of money. And so the idea that anybody would feel sorry for them, um, I, <laughs> I have to laugh at that. But, but look, the quotes that were in the Chronicle were disastrous for the Democrats. Jessica Gonzalez told a reporter at the Houston Chronicle that there's no proof that they went to Portugal and that she doesn't respond to rumors, period, end of story. Here's some free advice. The way to not respond to a rumor is don't respond to it. Don't say anything. I didn't see anywhere that Julie Johnson, uh, that other state rep from, uh, from Dallas, was quoted anywhere. But don't tell people in the media that there's no proof of something. And, don't, and, and then you don't give a straight answer, yes or no. One answer you could have given is, no, we're not in Portugal. We're still in Washington. But they didn't answer that way. Um, but, what, but all of that aside, and it, Republicans were making fun of them, saying that they took off on a, on a trip, on a luxury trip, and they need to be back in Austin working and all of that. But whatever their plans were. And, of course, after that, we heard about other Democrats who might have been traveling to different places. But whatever their plans were... What it really tells you is that there is some resentment simmering within the Democratic caucus. The way that we found out that they had left and gone to Europe, the way we heard about it, was from members of the Democratic caucus who were stuck in a hotel that's not a luxury hotel in Washington, D.C. And I think there have been some Democrats who have been making the case privately to their colleagues that, look, we can't hold out forever and we need to go back to Austin and we need to um, you know, participate in the legislative process. Some bills are going to pass that we don't like. But part of being an adult in a legislative process is working to make bills better, even if you're going to oppose them on final passage. That actually did happen during the regular session of the legislature, and it happened on the elections bill. And the reason that there is so much distrust between so many of the Democrats and Republican leadership is because that work that was done to make the bill better was undone behind closed doors at the end of the legislative session in a conference committee that did not include Democrats in the process. And things were added into that bill that were very offensive and things that Republicans later disavowed and something I have never seen before. Republicans were, and this could happen with Republicans or Democrats, but, but politicians were not only defending the bill, but they were um, blaming members of their own party for how certain language got into the bill, and no one wanted to take responsibility for at least two major provisions. One of them was making it harder for African Americans to vote on Sunday during early voting, during what they call the Souls to the Polls events they do uh, after church. And then the other thing was making it easier for judges to overturn elections with no evidence of fraud. Where does something like that come from out of a closed-door process? Does it come from Roger Stone and from ex-President Trump and from the Stop the Steal crowd, the Allen West kind of folks? Lieutenant Governor Patrick in the meantime said those things will not come up in a special session. The Republicans in the Texas House tried to say it was a Scribner's error, that it was a typo, that some of this stuff got in there. I, I think when it comes to changing 1 p.m. Uh, or changing something from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., when it comes to when people can vote on, um, on Sundays, that could be a typo. But an entire new subheading of the bill 
called Overturning Elections, in bold type, well, that's not a typo. And, they, and, and no one has yet explained how that got in there, right? So you can see why there's distrust among the Democrats. But I do think the fact that those Democrats, the two of them, went off on that luxury trip, it helped for those Democrats who wanted to make the case that it's time to come back to Austin to make that argument to some of their Democratic colleagues to basically say, look, if they're going off on that trip, then why are we still here and taking all the slings and arrows from Republicans who are accusing us of being on a luxury trip when we're not? We're in this crappy hotel in D.C. I am here to tell you once again, the plaza is not a luxury hotel. It's not even a nice hotel. Um, we'll keep an eye on this. I think that um, to the broader politics of it, what you're really seeing now is the emergence of some potentially nasty primaries for Democrats when we really haven't seen that at the legislative level in Texas, not to the degree we've seen it on the Republican side, especially over the last 10 or 15 years when Joe Strauss was the Speaker of the Texas House. You had groups like Empower Texans, Texas Right to Life, those third party, um, what I would call sort of disciplined groups. They, they, they sort of uh, you know whip the members in the legislature to make sure that they're ideologically pure. Those groups would be heavily involved, well-financed, and they would keep receipts on what the legislators had done during, uh, the, uh, during the legislative session. They'd put out their scorecards, and they'd be telling voters how they voted and completely misrepresenting their voting records for sure. But this is a scary prospect for somebody who's in the legislature. You have a record, and you have to run on it. And you don't want to be running away from it. And when you have these uh, third-party groups that are so willing and have so much money to misrepresent what you did as a legislator, it's hard to get through your primary and then get on to the general election. I think that because you have millions more Democratic voters in Texas than you had even two, four, six, eight years ago, this has really ramped up in the last few years. Think about the huge numbers we saw in 2018 and 2020. And what we'll see going you know, into the next election cycle in 2022, is it going to continue to pick up? Is it going to stay about where it, uh, where it has been over the last two cycles? We'll see. Could have been a blip, right? There was a lot of excitement about former Congressman Beto O'Rourke. I think there was more backlash to former President Trump that was really driving a lot of those numbers. So we'll see. You don't want to read too much into the election results of uh, just a couple of cycles. Um, but with millions more Democratic voters, newly activated people, a lot of people uh, who are now voting uh, for the first time or second time or maybe going into the third time, they are younger, they are more progressive, and that creates, let me put it this way, there's a real industry in Republican primaries in Texas for people to make a lot of money. Consultants, those third-party groups, which some of them say they're nonprofit, they're not really nonprofit. They're making a bunch of money. There's an emerging similar industry for Democratic primaries, for consultants and third-party groups to make a whole lot of money trying to convince you that your state representative or your state senator is not progressive enough. Just the same as a mirror image of what happens on the Republican side where they say they're rhinos, Republicans in name only, not conservative enough, not sufficiently conservative. And so they'll be going after these members, those who come back first to the legislative session. The Democrats who allow Republicans to move forward with their agenda, those Democrats who come back to the process first will be some of the first ones targeted by some of these folks who want to engage in very nasty primary politics on the Democratic side. This is something we just have not seen 
in Texas to the degree that it may be a coming. Speaking of primary politics, how many times are people going to have to explain why former President Trump endorsed or didn't endorse them in a certain race? I guess we'll be at this for a while. Uh, the land commissioner, George P. Bush, who, as you know, is challenging uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton for his job. Bush is explaining why he didn't get the endorsement and why Paxton got it instead. Now, I would say this is pretty easy. Paxton's the guy who literally sued on behalf of Trump to try to overturn the elections uh, in other states and throw the election to him instead of President Biden. Um, Paxton has been with Trump all along. And Bush seems to be a little more Johnny-come-lately to the whole Trump thing. We told you about the koozies that Bush was handing out that have the image of Trump and himself uh, with the quote from Trump that says, this is the Bush that got it right. This is the Bush I like. <laughs> um, throwing his whole family under the bus, George P. Bush. Well, he was on um, Fox News Radio with Brian Kilmeade, and Kilmeade wanted to know what Bush thought about, what went through his head when he saw that Trump was endorsing Paxton instead of him when Bush has been making the case to voters that he's the real Trump guy in this race. So I continue to be a supporter of the president and of America First policies, and I'll continue to fight for that as land commissioner and hopefully as attorney general. Uh, but the reality is here that Ken misled the president. Um, he's deceived the people of Texas multiple times, as we've seen with this FBI investigation looking into bribery and corruption charges. He's misled investors as a lawyer that's resulted in securities fraud charges against him that are still pending in Harris County. And he misled his wife, and, and that's at the core of the bribery case. So we're going to have a year-long campaign where Texans will have a chance to examine both of our records. And I think the truth will bear it out, and Texans will choose somebody that can promote America First policies in a way Without, without baggage and without criminality affecting my, my daily practice. Akil Mead also asked about whether Bush would want to see Trump just stay out of these primaries altogether. No, it's certainly within his right. Uh, I certainly courted that, and I will continue to reach out to his supporters and, and support his policies wherever I can as land commissioner, as I've done in bringing this lawsuit against the Biden administration. I think the most important suit you'll find on the southern border right now. You hear that? He says he certainly asked the president for his endorsement. He went and met with him. He wanted that endorsement. I guess he went to New Jersey uh, to ask Trump for the endorsement, and it just didn't work out. Trump endorsed Paxton instead. Um, in that special congressional race we told you about last week, where Jake Elsey, who did not have the Trump endorsement, beat the Trump-endorsed candidate, Susan Wright, uh, in that race, I had no indication that Elsie ever asked for Trump to get involved in that. If anything, they probably didn't want Trump to be involved in it without any inside knowledge. What we do know is that Club for Growth, which has been sort of trying to work in tandem with the whole uh, Trump thing, <laughs> with the whole Trump phenomenon, uh, that they did ask, Club for, uh, Club for Growth did ask for um, Susan Wright to be endorsed by, uh, by Trump. Uh, they asked Trump that directly, is my understanding. Uh, and it didn't work out. And none of this means that any candidate who gets Trump's endorsement that the, that the election is going to go one way or the other. I think you have to think about those elections in very different ways. In the race that uh, Bush is in, it's a Republican primary. You're not going to have almost any Democrats voting in that. There was a time in Texas, um, probably 
going back two or three election cycles when you might have had an uptick in some Democrats starting to say, you know what, I'm tired of uh, my vote not mattering at all, and maybe I'll vote in the Republican primary. And that still happens in some of the rural parts of the state, I think. But uh, for the most part, because of what I was just talking about with these more competitive Democratic primaries coming, I don't expect that at all. So what you're going to have in that attorney general's race is a concentration of Republican voters only. Those March Republicans and not the November Republicans, and those are not the same either. Um, those March Republicans are still very much in the thrall of Donald Trump. So it may be as simple as you just need to have Trump's endorsement in that Republican primary. In that special election I mentioned from last week, it's a very different dynamic. There may have been a decent number of Democrats, not it, not a majority at all, uh, not anything close to that, but a decent number of Democrats who probably got involved in that race. If you were in that congressional district in North Texas, you probably knew that it was the only election happening at that moment and that Donald Trump was with Susan Wright. And if you were in Elsie's camp, the state representative who, who beat her, um, all you had to do was let people know that the election's going on and Trump is with her. You didn't have to badmouth Trump or her or anything. Um, we'll see what this means. Going forward, one other thing before we go. Simone Biles has returned to Texas. Remember, we told you last week that one of the top guys, and I mentioned uh, Ken Paxton, one of the top guys in the attorney general's office, a guy named Aaron Reitz, had to apologize after bad-mouthing Simone Biles and saying that she was um, an embarrassment to the state and this country. Didn't help that her boss, Ken Paxton, said he knows Simone Biles and thinks that she's great. And the fact that everyone thinks Simone Biles is great because she's the greatest of all time. Well, in the meantime, she came home to Houston. The Olympic gymnast there getting the welcome home that she deserves, although I would say she probably also deserves <clears throat> Mayor Turner. She needs a, a parade to celebrate Simone Biles in Houston. Has he said whether she's getting one or not? I'll check on that. Anyway, you hear that response from the crowd, and guess what? It's like the nasty things that are said on social media don't even matter. Don't feed the trolls, people. That's enough show for today. Uh, we will try to figure out whether there's going to be a quorum in the Texas House. Watch the headlines at quorumreport.com, houstonchronicle.com. If you love this show, you know you do. You should be a subscriber on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, however you listen to your favorite podcasts, and give us the best rating that you can. Leave us a review. Say lots of nice things. We appreciate it. We'll be right back here next week to do this all again.